Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Promise, we're looking at the nativity story to see how wrestling with longing can help us eliminate hurry from our lives. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. So on Facebook, I uh, came across this feed that was of a guy who was talking about how we in America have stopped making home-cooked meals. We've stopped engaging in the process of preparing a meal that the family gathers around together on the table to eat in the world of fast food, quick food, uh, let's have it now. And if it's not done by a chef, it's not good enough for us. Uh, We've had a decline in home-cooked meals. And the article was saying, the speaker was saying, you know, there's no surprise that with the decline of home-cooked meals has seen the rise of obesity in the United States. We are becoming more and more unhealthy. And I thought, you know, he may not be onto something with that. But I realized, you know, it's more than just the fact that our food is bad and what we're eating is bad, fast, quick, processed, not, not enjoying the process of making the food. It's also that we're missing out in other areas that are helpful for us. I remember as a boy, I would sit on the counter and sit with my mom in the kitchen as she cooked. That was our time to connect. That was our time to talk. That was our time to debrief on the day and her to give me wisdom. And so not only did I talk to her at that moment while she was cooking, I also observed her cooking. And in me observing her cooking, and she would have me do things every now and then in the kitchen with her, I also learned some of the finer pieces of cooking for myself. Plus, you know, it gave me opportunity to sample the dinner before dinner time, which was always something for me because, you know, as a man, boy, I was always hungry. Now, think about if we didn't do that and pretty much every day we, we gathered together for a family for a meal that was cooked. And if I wasn't able to do that because we went out all the time, I would have missed that opportunity. I would have missed that opportunity, and it would not have been able to be a blessing in my life. You see, the old practice of making food from scratch together had more than the nutritional benefit for the family. There was a discipleship benefit. There was a fellowship benefit. There was a learning together benefit in relationship. You know, I've been troubled by reports I've read recently One report says that there is a sharp increase in depression and anxiety amongst young people. We're talking young teens into their 20s dealing with some serious anxiety and serious depression issues that are forcing them to be on medications and and to deal with things. And I'm wondering, what is going on? Not too long ago, there was a, a report that said that for the... Fourth year in a row, life expectancy in the United States, fourth, third, I don't know, consecutive year in a row, life expectancy in the United States has declined. And the reason for the decline is an increase, a sharp spike in suicides, suicides and opioid-related deaths, heroin overdoses. And I'm hearing all this and I'm wondering, what is going on? What is happening to our culture and our society? How is it that we are the land of plenty? We're the land of much. We're the land of blessing in many ways. We're so rich. We're the richest country in the world per capita, per person. Yet we are seeing this increase in poverty in matters of the soul. 
What's happening? And I think it has to relate to the abandonment of some tried and true practices of living, such as making home-cooked meals, sitting around the dinner table. The abandonment of practices that perhaps are now considered unprofitable, passe, old-fashioned, narrow-minded, conservative, whatever you want to say, that we now set aside and don't do anymore and forgotten how to do, and now we're beginning to see the ramifications of that. We begin to realize that it wasn't just the practice that was important, but it was what happened in the process of the practice that fed our souls. One of those things has been a loss of appreciation of a biblical concept. And the biblical concept is a concept of blessing and cursing. Throughout the Bible, that's, you, this concept from the beginning, from, from Genesis all the way to, to Revelation, you have this idea of blessing and cursing. To be blessed by God is to receive life from God, an intentional act for good that God does in order to bring us life and wellness and prosperity and wholeness and good. On the flip side, to be cursed means to be the recipient of things that bring death. It's no surprise that the result of our sin is a curse. Is a curse that brings death, and it's not only death, but decay and difficulty and struggle and strife. Blessing and cursing is very much a part of the biblical narrative, yet it has become trite in many ways in our culture. We don't pay attention as much to it, not only in terms of our thinking of God, blessing and cursing, but also in the terms of us in our human interactions as we deal with one another of how we bless or how we curse one another. What is a blessing today? Well, it's something you say when someone sneezes, right? God bless you. Well, what is that? Why, why do we say that? Why do we say that? What does that mean? I mean, are you saying God bless you and you really mean it that just because this person had some kind of allergic reaction that caused them to spray stuff all over the place that you want God to bless that person's life? What, why do we say that? Or, well, for instance, we use the word blessing perhaps in a way to, to dress up a little bit of gossip. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? God bless our heart. Right? Or we see some little cute kid that's, that's, that's crying and is not in a good way, and we feel sorry for him, so what do we say? Oh, poor little guy, bless his cotton-picking heart. I don't want to say cotton-picking, but bless his little heart. Blessing has is, is, is become some trite saying that we, ha- we say that we don't really fully appreciate the implications and meaning. Now, this is true for cursing, the opposite of Blessing. A blessing is when a soul reaches out in love. Well, a cursing is when a soul reaches out in malice, selfishness, dishonor. And when we think of cursing, most of us think of words we say, the bad words, the F-bomb, the S-word, you know what I'm talking about. But to be honest with you, cursing is more than that. Many times cursing is not just the word you say, but the intent of the word and how you say it. Cursing It has to do with human relationships, and many of us are cursed not by words, but maybe by a disapproving look or an unmet expectation or a burst of anger that demeans who we are as a person. We're cursed by actions, and we're cursed by words and attitudes, whether it be prejudiced or whether it be uh, being left out and punished for 
being ourselves. You know, I think of cursing, and I think cursing finds one of its fullest expression in road rage. I mean, Christmas time, we're all on the roads, it's hectic in traffic, and people's levels of patience are beginning to get. And I'm always amazed how very nice people, when you talk to them in person, become monsters when they get behind the wheel. I mean, this person's behind the wheel, you think they're quiet and mild-mannered and easygoing, and then someone pulls in front of them. And they didn't pull in front of them intentionally, it just happened, maybe they did. But you didn't have to slam on your brakes, you just touched your brakes, and all of a sudden, and obscenities come out, and you begin to challenge that person's intelligence, and, and you begin to demean their lineage. I mean, you act like they've offended your mom down to the core, and you're so mad, you pull up on them, you honk on the horn, you tell them they're number one. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go on in that. And why? Why? live in a culture of cursing. It's happened to me not too long ago. I was in downtown Batavia. I was looking for a building. I had a meeting. So I was in this lane that I all of a sudden realized was a left turn only lane and I needed to be in the next lane over which would get me down, continue straight. And so I just made the quick decision, pulled in front. And I pulled in front of this young man who was in this antique looking truck and he went nuts on me. I mean, he was shouting and screaming and, bah, bah, and telling me everything else. And, he was carrying on and on. I'm like, I don't know why he's so upset. Did he get a fright? Maybe he's driving his dad's car and he's not supposed to and I almost caused him to wreck. I don't know. But long story short, there was nothing that had happened that was bad, really. And so I pulled off and I was starting to go to my meeting. This kid drove by me and then drove back around and came around the block and he wanted to continue on his, triad, uh, you know, his, 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 his nastiness at me while I was out the car. And I'm like, what is going on? What is happening here? You know, I'm like, okay, kid, if you want to make good on your cursing, I'm ready. Let's go, right? He, did, he passed on because I didn't respond in blessing. <laughs> um, we live in a world of cursing. And I think the ramifications of that, while we don't necessarily think of it too much, I think the truth of it is because we don't appreciate the power of blessing and the destructive nature of cursing in the way we operate as the Bible teaches, we're seeing many souls, many individuals not coming to life as God intended us to come to life through blessing. And that's why I'm thankful for Christmas. At Christmas time, what do we celebrate? At Christmas time, what do we remember? We remember God's answer to the curse right? What is God's answer to the curse? For God so loved the world, there's blessing language, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, born in the manger, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, overcoming curse, but have eternal life, blessing. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, cursing, right? But to save the world through him. God sent his son to neutralize curse, to take it away. In the story of Mary, we see Mary come to a point where she breaks out into praise regarding God's work to neutralize curse. Luke chapter 1, last week we talked about Zechariah and the birth and the promise of the birth of John the Baptist. Well, the story continues. Gabriel, who had just visited Zechariah six months later, goes to visit Mary. 
He visits Mary at her hometown. It's a little village called Nazareth. Nazareth now is a pretty good-sized town. I was there just at the beginning of the year. But at that time, it was a, a podunk nobody town. I mean, it was in a little hollow about this size with a spring, and they had a few people there. Most of the people that lived in that area were, were basically farmers, individuals who were like homesteaders taking advantage of a government program to settle that area to, to make their own living. They had to have much money. They didn't have much status. They're out in the country. Podunk town of nobodies lived Mary, who was pledged to be married. She was in an, an engagement agreement with a man named Joseph, who was a common contractor. We call him a carpenter, but reality is we would say he's just a common contractor, a dude that makes stuff with his hands. And God, and the angel says, Mary, you have been highly favored. You have been chosen. God's grace is upon you. You have been seen because you are, have a deep faith. And you have been chosen for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to conceive a child. That child will be the Savior of the world. And contrary to, in opposition to the response of Zechariah, Mary responds in faith. She says, how can this be? I, I, I haven't been with a man. How am I going to conceive? And the angel explains, God's going to work through you by the Holy Spirit. And she says, may it be to me as you've said. She completely trusts in what God has said. And Gabriel says, and to confirm this, I want you to know that your relative Elizabeth, that old lady that was said not to be able to have kids, She's well along. She's showing. She's six months plus. And so Mary travels south to visit Elizabeth, three or four days travel to the Judean hills from Galilee, and she visits, and she comes into the house, and, and the text says when, when, when they heard, when, when the voice of Mary was heard by Elizabeth, the baby leapt in a womb. John the Baptist leapt in a womb, and Elizabeth broke out in a song praising God and the work that was happening with these two women. And then Mary responds in a worship song. And I want you to listen to the words of the worship song and tell me if you do not see and you cannot hear. You cannot see and hear God's work through nullifying blessing. To see that Jesus is the one that brings blessing so that we can be ones that bless. Luke chapter 1. It says this, And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My soul glorifies the Lord. That word glory is that which identifies. So when she says, my soul glorifies the Lord, she's saying, I, with everything I have, am giving credit to God. Because what is happening in me is an identification of God at work. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He has been mindful. He has, he has extended blessing on one that the world would consider unblessed, one who would consider not qualifying for blessing and privilege and honor. But instead, the way of God, the way of grace is to, to lift up these kind of folks for their, in their faithfulness. He says, being mindful of the humble state of his servant, that's me, from now on all generations will call me blessed. There it is, for the mighty one has gone, done great things for me. Holy is his name. And then she goes on, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. 
He has helped to serve in Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. See, Mary was telling us that Christmas time, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, is a time we can celebrate the gift that God has given us to bring life and blessing. See, in Christmas, the soul of God reached out in love and he touched us by becoming a man. John says, the word became flesh and dwell amongst us. God didn't do his work from afar. No, he entered into our life and in effect touched each one of us by becoming one of us. A child born to a humble girl in a nobody town. Showing that the way of God is nothing like the way of man. He reached out and touched us. He reached out and entered into our world, became one of us so that he could represent us in laying down his life on the cross to pay the price each one of us deserved with his life that was sinless but also eternal in value, which meant that it was everything that was needed was covered by his blood. He reached out into our world and touched us. And his coming was a message. John says Jesus was the word, a communication. And what was that communication? The communication was one of love. The communication was one of redemption. The communication was one of here is an offer to find a way out of the curse that you live under. That communication of love was an expression of value. Do you know how much God loves you? God loves you so much that he gave up his son. In other words, the life of his son, the life of God in the flesh, is the amount of love, eternity, that God has for you. That's your value. And no matter who you have, what you've done, no matter where you've been, Paul says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were offenders to God, someone might die for a good person. Very rarely will someone die for a bad person. In fact, no one will. And no one's going to die for someone who is an enemy, which is what we were when we were living in a rebellion to God. But instead, God offered up through Jesus. He touched our world, touched our lives, communicated love, and he said, you matter to me. You are valuable. And here is the demonstration of that value, the cross, the empty tomb. And in doing that, he provided a way in which we can be made right with God. And being made right with God, God could now enter into our lives. And he enters into our life by faith through the Holy Spirit. And we have fellowship in life. And so not only are we valuable, we have value to offer. Because the Holy Spirit empowers us with gifts. And those gifts are to be given as blessings to others. Those gifts are to be given in love to others. Not only do we love God, we're called to love others through Jesus, we are blessed from God in order to be a blessing for God. And as value to give, it changed the trajectory of our future. Our lives now have meaning. Our lives have a difference, an impact that runs all the way to eternity. And God promised, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, and I am with you to the ends of the age. It's a commitment that's just one, not one off. I'm here. You're good on your own. See you later. No, it's a commitment to be with you 
to the ends of the age. The means of blessing has come from Jesus. And Mary highlighted it, pointed out to it. We see it explained for us in the good news message found in our scriptures. And because of the Christmas blessing, we can be called to be individuals that bless others. We can be change agents in our world overcoming the curse, not only seeing it overcome in our own lives, but also being overcome in the lives of those whom we have influence on and over. This Christmas, you're going to be running around buying presents for those people you love. And why are you doing that? It's because you want you want them to smile, you want them to be happy, you want to honor the gift of Jesus by giving them a gift so that they can remember that Jesus is a gift, a blessing. How about this? How about what would happen if we decided, you know what, as part of our gift giving, we're going to make a commitment to blessing. We're going to make a commitment in the hurry and the craziness of Christmas to eliminate this craziness in our lives by making a decision to strategize how we can bless another. And we're going to bless those whom we have influence on, those whom we can say are our children. They might be our biological children, our old elder children, our grandchildren. They may be our spiritual children in some ways. They may be people that we're connected to that look up to us for spiritual direction. And we all have those kind of people that we are connected to in love and have influence in their lives because of our relationship with them. How about we put together a plan to bless them? A while ago, there was a book out, a book that I found pretty significant. John Trent and Gary Smalley. It was called The Blessing, and uh, I think the subtitle is How to Give un- un- Unconditional Love. And in this book, they outline five aspects of blessing that you can find in Scripture, five things that, that help basically pull together the strategy of how to bless another person biblically. The first thing that you start off with is making sure that you're intentional about communicating love with appropriate, meaningful touch. Appropriate, meaningful touch. The Bible word for blessing in the Old Testament means hand on top of head. You were blessed when you had your hand on top of your head or poured oil on that, on the back of the head. I know as a kid, I used to enjoy that. My dad would ruffle my hair as a blessing, and that was life-giving to me. Appropriate, meaningful touch may be a hug, a a, a hand on the shoulder. It it may be holding hands. It may be in these days giving someone your eye contact and full attention because we don't do that too often because our noses are like here, more like here, right? Appropriate, meaningful touch to communicate love. When you have their attention that way, then the next piece of the blessing is to speak words of love. In other words, to vocalize by mouth or by writing words that uplift, words that communicate how important that person is to you. Words that communicate that you see them for who they are. Words of love. And those words of love can be shaped by this next aspect, this this third piece of the blessing, and that is giving them high value. 
attaching high value to them. Seeing something in them that is good and noteworthy, a blessing from God, a gift. Every person has these gifts. And the people that you know and love that are in your sphere of influence, you can see it and recognize it because you're doing life together and you can see things happening within them. So you see your son moved by compassion because his sister is crying and has hurt herself. And in that time, he comes to bring her something to make her feel better or he does something to make her laugh. And at that moment, you have an opportunity to say, you know, son, God has blessed you with a compassionate heart. And I'm so thankful for that compassionate heart because in that, I see how you love on sissy and I think that you are going to do a lot of good because of that compassion, which shifts into the fourth thing. And that is visualizing a special future. Picturing a special future. Describing based on what you see working within that person a future that, can, can, that they can latch onto, that can hold onto. See, the aspect of blessing is more than just a singular event. It's, it's one that, that forecasts into the future. In the Bible, when a person was blessed, a lot of times their name was changed, and their name was changed because God had entered into their life and changed the directory of their life. So Jacob, whose name means, means liar, weasel, wrestled with God. He wrestled with this angel from God, and he wanted a blessing. Angel touched him on the hip. His hip was locked out of joint. He's like, ugh. And he, was, he let go, but he got a blessing. And his blessing changed his name to Israel. Israel means one who wrestles with God. And from that point on, this man, who was known to be a deceiver, became one who wrestled and hold, held on to God and became the, the father of the people of God, the Israelites. That's how blessing works. And so when you bless someone, not only do you highlight something good in their life, but take the opportunity to project that, to play the tape forward and see how that will change into something good into the future. Now, let me say this. Stay away from saying the popular, you can do anything you put your mind to. Or I believe you can do whatever you want to do. That's not true. Right? I mean, I can believe all I want that I can dunk a basketball. I cannot dunk a basketball. I'm too short, right? It's not going to happen. And I can believe all I want, and I can say, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to. I got some hops, but I haven't got that much hops. So make sure that whenever you're visualizing a future that is based on the truth. And so you see your, your son, and, and you see that they're talented with Legos, and they can construct all this stuff, and they're making things all the way. And you say, wow, son, I see you have a gift for putting things together and figuring things out. You're a builder. And I can see that, that in the future, this talent can be used by God to do good things, to bless people, and to be productive and make an impact in the world. Finally, make sure that when you give a blessing that it's not just a one-off thing, but it's a lifetime commitment. A genuine commitment to bless. See, blessing is one thing, but it's also continued. Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you to the ends of the age. His commitment was to walk with us so that we could continue to receive his attention and guidance and help. Well, in blessing, it's the same thing. It's a daily commitment to do whatever you can to reaffirm the other four aspects of blessing. It's giving your child a hug before they go to school and slipping in a daily note of love 
and encouragement every day. There's someone in your life that God has called you to bless. Those of you that are parents, it's those kids of yours. Even adult parents, you need to bless your adult children and their children. Every one of us have opportunities in our life, connections that we can, that we have that we can bring blessing into the life. How about this? How about we take this challenge to be blessing, bring blessing to people's lives this Christmas, and let's see what happens. Let's see what change occurs. Let's see souls come to life when we say, because Jesus has come into the world, hallelujah, Christmas time, because Jesus has come into the world, I know that God has nullified the, blessing, the, the cursing through blessing. And the blessing of God, the blessing from God, means now that I have an opportunity to be a blessing for God in the lives of these individuals that God has brought into my life and to make that commitment. I'm going to ask that you stand, and we're going to close up together on that note, on that challenge. Members of our prayer team, I encourage you to come down, and we're going to pray. After we pray, I'm going to share a few more words of blessing on you, and then we'll be dismissed to go on. Members of our prayer team are available to pray with you in person, and they're also available to give counsel to you if you have questions regarding what's next in your spiritual journey. Maybe you are wondering how is it that you can receive God's blessing. You know Jesus, but you don't really know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know the story of Christmas, but you don't know the meaning of Christmas. Share it with these guys. They'll direct you into what you need to do next. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time we can be together. And I pray that you just make us aware of this concept of cursing and blessing and help us to be mindful of that you know we curse people in all sorts of ways disapproving looks perfectionist expectations selfishness uh, we squash enthusiasm by criticizing i pray that you would help us to be mindful of that and to recognize we're called to be blessings and to take up the blessing challenge, to see people in our life that we're connected to whom we can give the gift of blessing because we have been blessed through Jesus and Christmas. I pray that you would help us in this and guide us through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me leave you with the words, Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.